Let's pray together. Father, thank You for our time together so far. And, and Lord, as we are in the third Sunday of 2015, and as we have been looking at Philippians chapter 3 and, and the Apostle Paul pressing on, Lord, You have been speaking to us through Your Word about what it means for us individually and even corporately as a church to press on this year to uh, not just let uh, the next 11 months uh, slide by, not just uh, slide into same old, same old, not just uh, sort of let it happen, but Lord, to really be proactive and intentional in our pursuit of Christ-likeness, in our following of Jesus and being a disciple. Lord, you, you've really been impressing upon us that that there is work involved. There is energy that needs to be expended. There is thought and, and intentionality about pursuing Jesus. So, so as we continue in our series, as we continue in Your Word, we ask once again that the Holy Spirit will be our counselor, our teacher. Lord, that You would give us open and receptive hearts. Lord, that we would allow You to speak truth to us, not just to understand Your Scripture, but then, Lord, to bring very real, specific, practical application and then, Lord, we thank You that You enable us to obey, to act according to Your good purpose. And as we hear and obey, Lord, we're transformed more and more in this process of sanctification. So we love You. We thank You for Your Word and ask You to lead us and guide us now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Pressing on, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, 1 through 11, in a nutshell, says, Hey, my desire, the, the single-minded focus of my life is to know Jesus, not just know about Him, but to know Him experientially and to be like Him. Okay, that, that's, that's what Paul is saying. I want to know Jesus, not just about Him. I just want to believe all the right stuff, but I want to know Him in my daily life and I want to be more and more conformed to His character, right? And then in verse 12, we've been camped here for a couple of weeks. We'll pick up there, Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In your notes there, right, we see that, that, that pressing on is to vigorously, uncompromisingly, continually as the habit of your life. That's a mouthful, which basically means... We all have work to do, right? Philippians 2.12, we're not working for salvation. We work out our salvation, right? It requires energy. Sometimes there's a very passive sense in the church where, well, okay, I said the sinner's prayer. I know I'm going to heaven. So now I just got to let go and let God. You know, very common. And in fact, the Apostle Paul is saying, no, I'm going to choose. It's a choice to press on, to engage to engage in this pursuit of Christ-likeness, okay? And he says uh, in verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So the picture is a runner, right? We talked about that last, last Sunday. You're running a race, right? What's the cardinal rule for runners? Where are you supposed to look? Straight ahead to the finish line. You don't look to the left. You, you, know, you don't look at your opponents. You don't look behind. You don't look at the crowd. You're tunnel-visioned 
to the goal. That's what he's saying. I'm tunnel visioned, right? And we said last week, we asked the question, okay, if the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm tunnel vision, I use this as an illustration, right? That Jesus, his pursuit of Jesus is the hub of his life. We asked the question last Sunday, what things in our lives may be competing, may be distracting us away, may be causing us to divert attention and energy away from Jesus being the hub of our life, right? You look in your notes there. It might be in the, the church of Ephesus, right? Great church, doing a lot of good things. But the hub, they kind of shifted away from just simply loving Jesus as the hub, and they started focusing on all the right stuff, being right doctrinally, on serving. And remember, Jesus says, hey, 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 I'm no longer the hub. You're not loving me like you used to. Come back to loving me, all right? Even in the church, this can happen. The church of Laodicea, we saw they became lukewarm. Laodicea was like the Ojai Valley. Really? It could have been the church of, you know, church of the Ojai Valley. Hey, we're materially comfortable here. SoCal. Great weather, year-round. And the church at Laodicea, because they were materially comfortable, became spiritually complacent. We're good. How are you doing with the Lord? I'm good. Right? And, and, and Jesus says, hey, no, you're not good. You're lukewarm. You're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, right? You know the whole illustration of Jesus knocking on the door? He was knocking on the door of the church. Hey, church, can I come back in? Right? And then we looked at these other things, the things of the world, right? Last week we saw, hey, you can't serve God in money, right? You can't serve God in money. So it might be career. It might be, you know, we asked, we asked last week, is, is, are you pursuing Jesus or the American dream? What, 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 what really is the core of what makes you tick? Jesus and following Him or your career, material, really what we would call the American dream. What, what's driving you? Really? What's driving you? Now, is it necessarily wrong to be successful in your career? Is that wrong? No. Is it wrong as a result of working hard in your career to own a house? No, or a car. Nothing's wrong with any of that unless... They take the place of Jesus. They take the place of Jesus, right? And then we said relationships. Matthew ten thirty seven. Jesus says, hey, if you love anyone more than me, including your mom, your dad, husband, wife, son, or daughter, you've got to check yourself, right? And, then it, cause, and that gets a little bit challenging because it's not bad. Is it bad to love your wife? Gentlemen, is it bad to love your wife? <laughs> All the ladies are like, dude, really? <laughs> ladies, is it a good thing to love your husband? All right, let's try this. Gentlemen, is it a good thing to love your wives? Okay. <laughs> if you want to live a long life. <laughs> right? Is it bad to love your kids? No. Nothing's wrong with human relationships. But we have to check ourselves that even with the best of intentions, we don't allow those relationships to supersede our relationship with Jesus. Okay? Just very important. And then we said trials and worry. Some of us are so consumed with 
How are we going to do this? How's that going to get paid? My health, whatever. And, 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 and even in the good things, you're, you, can, you slide from concern, which is okay, into worry. Worry about family, friends, whatever. So sometimes what starts out as legitimate concerns, because we mull it over, and all we think about slides into worry and anxiety, and it becomes this. Right? I shared with you before the word worry comes from an old English word, I believe, which means strangle. So if you are worrying, the word picture is it's strangling you. It strangles your relationship with the Lord, strangles your joy, strangles your peace, right? So you ask yourself, then we said busyness, right? The story of Mary and Martha. And some of us in our life, we're just so busy. Anyone busy? Right? Busy, busy, busy. Even about church stuff. Busy, 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 busy. And then we get all caught up. Right? And we learned that story last Sunday. Stop. One thing. One thing. We can never allow even the good intentions. That's, that's where many of us slide into. Because, you know, I look out here and you're all nice people and good people. And so it's not like you have these horrible bad intentions. It's not like you're backslidden. And, right? You're all genuinely good people here. Okay, right? So, so it's not like you're bad people doing bad things. The challenge for us in our culture is that you're really good people with a really good intentions and really doing a lot of really good things. The challenge for us is not to let the good things become the hub versus Jesus. That's the challenge. And that's where it, it takes a while sometimes because you can hear stories like this and, and messages like this and dismiss it and not realize that you've drifted even just a little bit, you've drifted and now your focal point is on all the good stuff that you need to do versus just loving Jesus. Just loving Jesus. Okay? So that, that can be a tension. And then we saw at the bottom of your notes there, how do I regain my focus, right? If, if I've drifted, if, if the Lord, maybe the first month of this year, you're like, Lord, is my focus off? Maybe that's what you need to do is spend a month or two. Lord, show me my focus. What, what have I really been focused on? What am I really, when I wake up in the morning, what's really driving me? What really motivates me? What really, when I, when I have to make an important decision in my life, what are the factors that I'm really considering? Right? And we said at the bottom, it says, how do I regain my focus? You've got to come back to the cross. You've got to come back to the cross. You've got to remember, right? Let's turn to John 3. Some powerful verses. And I like to go back there because it just keeps me rooted and grounded in my relationship with the Lord and the significance of, of I shared last Sunday, we all have testimonies, right? We all have testimonies. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And then you go to the end of the last verse of that chapter, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Now, I'm, we don't say these verses as hell, fire, brimstone verses. What I'm sharing this with, the, with you is... If your focus has drifted away from just the relationship with Jesus, 
the first step to get that focus right is go back to the cross and your salvation. Right? And those verses remind us that, hey, it's not that you were a super bad person in prison doing all these horrible things and Jesus came into your life and you believed on Jesus and now you're a better person. That's not salvation. Salvation is being first and foremost delivered from the penalty of sin. Salvation is not first and foremost about a bad person becoming a good person. Salvation is about deliverance first and foremost from the penalty of sin. And John 3.18 and John 3.36 say what? The penalty of sin, if you don't believe in Jesus, you are what? Already condemned. And John 3.36, that the wrath of God abides on you. So here's, here's, if you want to know what the gospel is and what, you know, hey, you need to know the good news. Here's the good news, right? Before you knew Jesus, you were condemned already and under God's wrath. That's your state. When you believe on Jesus by faith, receive the gift of salvation, your state changes. You're now declared not guilty, fully righteous, and where are we going? Heaven. Amen? See, that's salvation. So if, you, if your focus starts to drift, okay, what you need to do for as long as it takes is go back to the cross and remember that First and foremost, you were saved from the penalty of sin. See, sometimes as a worship leader, there's this tension we have. Oh, we need something fresh. We need something new. Oh, that's old. I get kind of really, really concerned when I hear that because salvation in the cross never gets old. And, and if songs to you are getting old, like, oh man, Amazing Grace... Everyone, that's old. Is it? Does grace ever stop being amazing? Does grace ever stop being amazing? It shouldn't, right? But we hear it so much and we become so familiar that we can get numb to these astounding, just unbelievable biblical truths. We should always sing amazing grace like it's amazing. Right? So sometimes, if, you, if your focus is off, just go back to the cross. Just, just spend as much time as, you, as, as necessary going, I was under condemnation, God's wrath on me, I was hell-bound, I put my faith in Jesus by His grace, unmerited favor, suddenly, I'm His child, I'm a new creation, I'm heaven-bound. That'll light your fire, Lord willing. Right? West. You remember when you and Olivia first started going out, right? And and you fell in love, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know you do, because we talk. We talk. And he loves you dearly, by the way. We talk. But what I'm talking about is, is a relational thing when you realize, oh, man, we're in love. And, 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 and with the Lord, you've got to go back to the cross and you go, oh, He loves me that much. You've got to go back to love. That's the, what the cross is about is love. People use it so much as condemnation. Da, 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 da. It's love. For God so loved you. And when you receive that, oh, He loves me. Oh, I just love Jesus. And then it starts to all come back the way it's supposed to be. Right? So, 
because that kind of brings you up to speed. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 3. So if we get our focus, right, and we're gonna want, we desire to press on, it's a choice we're making, what, how do we do that? I'm going to give you some real practical steps as we work through these verses together. Philippians. Oops, I'm at Philippians. Let's go back to Philippians 3. Let me get there. Okay. Let's read verse 12 again. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. Anybody here perfect? Nope. Is that okay? All right. Right? Paul is honest. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Nobody in this church has it all together. Right? It's okay. There's, it's, it's, just be honest and be humble. We're all in process. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> and don't say, I know. Okay? No, just, just smile and nod. I know. I know. Right? I'm a work in progress. We all are. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Then he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, okay, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. This is what we're going to focus on, this idea of forgetting. Forgetting what is behind. If you look in your notes on the backside, I had to go um, under the backside to give you some more helps for where we're going. There's a definition of forgetting. It's a continual pattern, a spirit-empowered choice to not allow the past to impede progress moving forward in spiritual growth. i got to tell you, in 20 years of ministry, this idea of forgetting what is behind, oh, this, is, this is a big one. And we're going we're gonna to camp here for as long as the Lord wants us to camp here. Because I don't know about you, but i got stuff in boxes. Lots and lots of boxes. And we were in San Diego and we moved and the boxes came. And then we moved out to Ojai 15 years ago and the boxes came. And it wasn't just the physical stuff that came. It was all the stuff from the past that was not resolved. We, we've got boatloads of it. And what are we supposed to do with that? Well, it's pretty simple in the verse. I mean, it's, it's, it's not hard to understand. It says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. What are we supposed to do with what is behind? Forget it. Now, that does not mean you obliterate your memory. Very important. It does not mean you go into crazy denial mode. Very important. Okay, let's just settle that right now. But we're supposed to, this, this idea of forgetting requires some intentional choices based on Scripture. And we're going to look at that, right? Because we've all got this. We had this illustration. I was talking to Bill about it. And, and, and it kind of, you know, we got, we hold on to stuff so tight from the past. It's clenched, right? And then there's Jesus over there. And, and we, just, just, just a little bit. Bill, come here. Come here. This is Jesus. And I, and I want to follow Jesus. And say, come on. Come on. I'm like, mm, but I got all this. Let it go. What? Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, forgetting what is behind. Press forward to follow me. Mm. Forgetting what is behind. Some of us, we got to pry that finger off. And just when it gets off, huh? Huh? Amen? 
Right? I mean, we want to go. It looks so tempting. Oh, look, they're moving, and there's so much and joy and, and, and freedom, and I want to follow you, Jesus. Ah! You, you can't make me. You can't make me. Right? We're going to look at what does it mean to forget what is behind so that we're free to run the race. Amen? How many want to be free to run the race? Right? Let's be free. Okay. So, we see there, let's turn to John 5. John 5. There is a wonderful illustration I came up with in southern Italy. Right? I love this story. I'm just going to read it because it's pretty cool. In southern Italy, as midnight on New Year's Eve approaches, the streets are clear. There is no traffic. There are no pedestrians. Even the policemen take cover. Then at the stroke of 12, the windows of the houses fly open. To the sound of laughter, music, and fireworks, each member of the family pitches out old crockery, detested ornaments, hated furniture, and a whole catalog of personal possessions which remind them of something in the past year they are determined to wipe out of their minds. So you better be careful if you're walking in southern Italy on New Year's Eve because it comes raining down. And people are like, I'm done. Not bringing that into the new year. That's what we're talking about. What, what in your life, as we begin 2015, do you need to spiritually toss or just let go of? Right? And for those golfers out there, right? Those golfers, those of you who, who have taken up the sport, Dale. Dale. I played with Dale. Dale's a good golfer. Dale, when we, when we, when we swing and we, we hit a shot that doesn't go just right, that maybe goes that way or that way, right? What is the key thing that we need to do before we hit our next shot? You need to forget about the last shot. You need to forget about the last shot. Wherever it went, however good or however bad it was, to enjoy the game of golf, you have to learn to forget the last shot. It's kind of like in life. You may make some decisions that you're not particularly proud of. But if God works in your heart and you understand what you need to do biblically, you got to forget the last shot. Now, you can learn from it. You can learn from that last shot. You can maybe make some corrections moving forward. But if you stand over the ball mad because of where you are and how bad that shot was and you're just mad and tied up in knots Dale what's going to happen to the next shot <laughs> it's going to be just like or worse or worse you ever seen you ever seen uh, even pro golfers do this you know why because it builds it builds I'll show you I'll show you and then oh I'll show this, right? And it's, instead of forgetting, instead of, lear, instead of learning the habit and develop, keeping the habit of forgetting the past and being so in the present that you're going forward, it builds and it builds. And that happens in our life. We make decisions, things happen. And instead of developing the habit of forgetting, it builds, it builds, it builds. And you know what? Without even realizing it, everything that's building is starting to color your view of the world and your decision-making process. And you become heavy and you become burdened. And, and now it's like an effort. Oh, 
I hate this game. We paid how much to come out here? Right? All of a sudden, the thing you love becomes this bear and this burden because you can't forget the last shot. And as a believer, we have to get to the place where, okay, I'm not perfect. Okay, I, I blew it. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to re- receive God's forgiveness. I'm going to learn. I'm going to be putting off the old person, putting on the new. But when, when I step up to, to do something for the Lord now, I'm going to forget that. I'm not going to allow the weight of all the past to continue to color my present and my future. Right? Our rear view mirror is important. Well, they're, they're requirement, right? What would happen on your way home? All you do is stare, in the, stare at the rearview mirror. You ain't going to make it home. How many of us in our Christian walk spend more time looking in the rearview mirror than where we're going? Now, is the rearview mirror helpful? It's there for a reason. In fact, it's helpful to look back to help you make decisions as you go forward. That's right. What's around you. It helps you make decisions to look backwards as you go forward. Same thing in your spiritual life. We've got to learn the healthy biblical way to look back and learn as we move forward. As we move forward. Right? And now they've got all these fancy rear view cameras and all this kind of craziness, Right? But we're moving forward. We're not designed to look even at the rearview camera. We still wouldn't get where we were going, right? So let's look at your notes there. And we're just going to, again, spend as much time as necessary. Anybody here fail? Okay. We talked about forgetting the last shot and all this kind of stuff. I want to encourage you. This is kind of a a nice illustration, but I want to encourage you with people that Sometimes even in the church, we look at someone who seems to have it all together. Anybody here ever do that? Man, that person seems to have it all together. I could never be like, and you just fill in the blank, right? But we tend to forget that there's a journey that that person's been on, and that journey usually is filled with failures, right? So I want to show you a video uh, at the human level as an encouragement that this is a process and you just might be surprised at some failures. Okay? Dismissed from drama school with a note that read, Wasting her time, she's too shy to put her best foot forward. Turned down by the Decca recording company who said, We don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. A failed soldier, farmer, and real estate agent. At 38 years old, he went to work for his father as a handyman. Cut from the high school basketball team, he went home, locked himself in his room, and cried. A teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything, and he should go into a field where he might succeed by virtue of his pleasant personality. Fired from a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no original ideas. His fiance died, he failed in business twice, he had a nervous breakdown, and he was defeated in eight elections. If you've never failed, you've never lived.
Now you put that into our walk with Jesus, into this thing we call sanctification. And I share that video with you, just an encouragement. An encouragement, because I'm guessing some of us failed this week. Some of us maybe are, are holding on to failures in the past, and they're anchors, and, 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 and you want to keep moving forward, but you've got this anchor around you, right? And, and, and we're looking, okay, Lord, what does it mean when the Apostle Paul says to forget? To forget. Well, it begins with a choice, right? John 5. If we're going to forget the past, you've got to make a choice. John 5, 1 through 8. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which, is, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there and had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the mat was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Okay, so there's this pool, right? And then there's these steps like this all around the pool. There's a bunch of people with diseases, paralyzed. And the story goes that once in a while an angel would come and stir the water. And as soon as everyone laying around the pool saw the water moving, it was a race. However they would try to get there, the first one into the water was healed. Okay? So Jesus comes up, and he knows, right, verse 5, one who was there and had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Interesting question, right? Jesus knows he's been there for 38 years. Why would Jesus ask him, hey man, do you want to get well? Because he's testing his heart. It's a heart question. And look what he says. Does the guy say yes? You would assume after 38 years the answer would be what? Yes, but look what he says. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. What is he focused on? His self, inability, all the obstacles, all the frustration. He's probably discouraged. Hey, man, you want to get well? Ah, dude, let me tell you all the reasons it ain't going to happen. And for some of us regarding our past, that's the starting point. The Lord knows your failures. He knows your frustrations. He knows everything about you. And he may be saying this morning, hey, you want to move forward? You want to move forward with me? Come here, brother. You want to move forward with me? You want to get well? Hey, come on. It's a choice we're going to have to make. That's the starting point. Yes. Yes. He knows how hurt that was, hurtful that was. He knows how angry you are. He knows how confused you are. He knows all the shoulda, woulda, couldas that you bring with you. And he may be asking us this morning, hey, I know how long you've been there. Do you want to get well? Will you make the choice to leave it behind and just walk with me? 
And I know that is scary. Scary, scary, scary. Why? Because some of us have held on to the past for so long, that's all we know is me and my past. It's almost a security. And we know the stories, we rehearse them, we even know the emotions, and it's so still real to us because we play it over so much that it's so real to us. And Jesus said, hey, do you want to get well? Hey, do you want to forget that and, and strength and run with me? And you're like, oh man, there's a part of me that would love that. But 38 years. Really? And, and, and it's a decision you make, and it's a step of faith, and you're going to have to trust the Lord. Because now for many of us, you launch into uncharted territory. Well, what does it mean if I heal this relationship? What does it mean if I forgive? What if it means if I, you know, whatever. And it's been so long that you don't even know what it would be like. And that can be unsettling. Unsettling. That's the step of faith. That's where it begins. In fact, look in your notes here. It says, if we're going to make this choice, it's going to include our successes. We've got to let go of the, even the good stuff of the past. Look at Philippians 3. The Apostle Paul says, you can go back there. He says, hey, I count all things lost for the sake of knowing Christ. Right? Philippians 3. Look at verse uh, 4. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he goes on to this whole list. And he says, hey, you know what? I'm letting go of the good stuff of my past too. Because some of us, if we're not careful, if we cling tenaciously to the, all the good stuff, we can become complacent, self-righteous, prideful. So you've got to let go of the good stuff. And then it says, and then in your notes it says, includes failures, right? And I put there, and we'll, we'll, we'll close with just a couple of failures, right? Turn to Matthew 14. Just a couple of failures to encourage us that, you know what? Those apostles didn't have it all together either. Matthew 14, 22, right? Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Peter, I mean, he got out of the boat. We give him credit, right? That's a, that's a huge step of faith. He started. But then what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus, started focusing on all the wind and the waves, all the stuff around him, and he what? Sank. Started to sink. Failed. Jesus had to come here. Right? Right? Let's stay with Peter, right? Let's go to um, Luke 22. Remember, Jesus gets arrested. What did he tell Peter he was going to do? 
deny him. How many times? Three. Not just once, right? So we know the story. Luke 22, it happens, right? And we'll just, we'll just read the last a couple verses. We'll start in verse 61, Luke 22:61. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Did Peter blow it? Big time? In front of Jesus. He wept bitterly. He said, oh my gosh, I blew that. And here's the crazy thing. Peter's failures have been recorded. <laughs> For the whole world to read over and over and use as examples, <laughs> right? How would you feel if your mistakes were in the Bible? That'd be crazy, huh? Right? Why is it in there? Because Peter, at a certain point, had to choose, had to choose what to do with his failures. He had to choose. Oh, man, I was walking with Jesus. I took my eyes off, saw the wind and the waves, and I sank. Oh, man, oh, man, I'm horrible. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Ah, Jesus, you know what you're talking about. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Right? Goes outside the door, is weeping. He had to make a choice. He had to make, at some point, Peter had to make a decision. What am I going to do with my failures? Even as a follower of Jesus. Even as someone who was walking with Jesus. Saw Jesus heal. Saw Jesus do all kinds of miracles. Right? We had the benefit of reading about it. Peter saw it. And still denied Jesus. After three years. He still denied Jesus in front of everyone after seeing and walking and eating and sleeping and doing everything with Jesus. He still blew it. And at some point, you see the story at the end of John. Jesus comes back, and there's a restoration. Right? Peter says, hey, you know what? At one point, he had made a choice, and we'll look at this next week. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And what many people believe that Peter had called it quits. I'm going back to my own business. But Jesus wasn't done with them. Jesus shows up on the shore. Peter's fishing. He recognizes him. Jesus he goes, jumps out, starts swimming. Shh, shh, shh. And we're going to look at this. There's a restoration that happens between Jesus and Peter. He says, hey, man, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you. But for all of us, we, 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 have, to, we have to come to the place. Just be honest. We don't have it all together. Just be honest. Yeah, you, me, we've blown it big time. But what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Are you like the Apostle Paul says, are you going to be able to forget that? Let it go? Little by little, it's going to be a process for some. It takes a while. We're going to look more in detail next Sunday. This process of forgetting. But it begins with a choice we all have to make. Are you, are, you, are you going to just cling tenaciously to the past? And is it going to be an anchor? And is it going to be your source, your hub? The past can be a hub. Or over time, are you going to let God come in and loosen the grip? And one day, not that it's ever forgotten, but one day you're going to go, yeah, that's my past, but I'm no longer bound to it. Yeah, I, I see that completely differently now as I've walked with Jesus. 
Wouldn't that be awesome? Just to have a, a, a completely healed and restored vision, a view of worldview of your past, of you. Okay, that's where we're going to go. We're going to go over the next couple of weeks, this process. What does it mean to forget what is behind and run the race with Jesus? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I think of that video, Famous Failures. And I can't help but think that this room is filled, filled with failures. In fact, Lord, that's what salvation was about. That there was no way we could earn salvation. In a sense, we were spiritual failures. And yet, by Your grace, You said, believe on Jesus and you'll be saved. And then, Lord, You say we're new creations. And yet, there is our past. And my prayer, my prayer for us this morning, that we would be willing to be honest with You about how tenaciously we're holding on to the things in our past. And Jesus asked that invalid at the pool, do you want to get well? And there's a choice we all have to make about what to do with the past, what is behind. And so Jesus, would you, would you begin to stir in our hearts what you want us to do with what is behind? And would you give us the courage and the power through your Holy Spirit to begin to walk by faith and trust you and focus on you? And as we hold these cups for communion, we're reminded that it all goes back to love. You love us. You loved us at the cross. You love us as your children. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, we'll hold these cups in remembrance of Jesus. But also, Lord, we hold them and we make that choice to forget what is behind and to press on and to run the race with you, Jesus, for the rest of our lives. So we'll distribute the communion elements and then we'll take communion together.